Good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. I'm happy today. I don't know about you. Well, this uh, past few weeks, we've been asking a lot of questions about Christianity, the Christian faith, in a seven-week series in the Explore God Ministry Outreach. Uh, Each Sunday, we've looked at a different question. First one was, does life have a purpose? Second question was, does God exist? The third question, why does God allow pain and suffering? And last week, we looked at the question, is Christianity too narrow? Again, if you missed any, you can check them out on our website. They're they're on there. Uh, For today, if you want to take out the uh, insert in your bulletin to follow along, you can do that at this point. And uh, if you need an insert or like to borrow a Bible, want to order some burgers, just tell Rich and he'll get them to. Today we're going to look at another very, very important question. Look, we're asking these questions, and I'm coming every week with a... uh, an attempt at an answer, but I'll be honest, I don't have all the answers. I don't. But what I'm doing in these weeks is uh, giving you things that have helped me in my faith, the convictions I've learned from the scripture that have helped me. So please understand, I, I don't have all the answers to all these things, <clears throat> uh, but they're very good questions. <clears throat> One Sunday morning, a pastor Uh, brought the children down front for a little children's sermon, and he wanted to talk to them about working hard and preparing, and he thought a a great example in nature were the squirrels. So he's going to use a squirrel as his object lesson, not a real squirrel, but uh, he he began by asking the kids, kids, I'm going to describe something to you, and I want you to see if you know what it is. Uh, just raise your hand if you have some idea of, of what I'm talking about. So he starts out, he says, this thing lives in trees. He pauses. No kid raises his hand. Okay, it lives in trees, it eats nuts. None of them raised hands, no hands went up. It's gray, it has a long bushy tail. The kids aren't responding. They look at each other. He says, it, it jumps from branch to branch. It flips its tail when it's excited. Finally, a sheepish little guy raises his hand. He says, yes, yes, what is it? And he said, well, I know the answer must be Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel. <laughs> <clears throat> When in doubt, it's always Jesus, right? Okay, I'm not going to keep you guessing today. We're not going to talk about squirrels. We're going to talk about Jesus and and try to answer a fundamental question of the Christian faith. Is Jesus really God? Each of us actually must decide what we're going to do with Jesus. Paraphrasing uh, C.S. Lewis, he put it this way, we have three choices when it comes to Jesus. Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar, 
or he's Lord. First, let's talk about why anyone would get the idea that a human being, Jesus, is God. And then I want to talk about, is there any evidence that supports that at all? So first, let's talk about uh, where on earth did anybody get the idea that a man could be God? It's, it seems pretty far-fetched. Actually, in ancient times, it was relatively common for powerful rulers to claim to be God or a son of God and be worshipped as such. The pharaohs in Egypt did it. The emperors in Rome did it. Their shrines, people used to worship them. Those in power were recognized by people as divine and even worshipped. But listen to me. If you were not rich and powerful, no one would have ever thought you were any kind of close to God. This is what makes Jesus so striking, so compelling. He was a poor peasant. He was a lowly carpenter in a small town in the backwater of Galilee, far, far from the center of power and influence as you could get in Israel. He was an itinerant preacher, dependent on the contributions of people who followed him. He didn't amass great wealth. Uh, He wasn't close to the center of power. So listen to me. Where did anybody get the idea that this guy was God? Well, we have to start with Jesus himself. If you read the Gospels, you can read that he took on language that no other prophet, no other rabbi, no other teacher or apostle dared to use. Example, all the other prophets, apostles, they were directing people they taught to come to God. Come to God. You know what Jesus said? Come to me. Outlandish. <laughs> it's like all the, everybody else said, uh, I'm not God. Come to God. Not Jesus. Come to me. He took on language that, that literally astounded people. But he actually made at several points, the audacious claim that uh, he was God, claiming the title of God. In the Gospel of John, for instance, he referred to himself as Yahweh. If you're not familiar with that word, it's, it's the personal name for the Lord in the Old Testament. That's what he called himself, I am, translated, is the translation of Yahweh. And so at one point in Jesus' ministry in John chapter 8, 56 to 58, he's talking with the religious leaders of his day, and he said, your father Abraham, listen carefully, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. (laughs) So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was Yahweh, I am. 
Wow. Jesus referred to himself a number of times as the Son of God. Uh, when he's about ready, when he's being tried by the religious leaders before he's crucified, before he's tortured and crucified, the religious leaders confront him about this issue. Uh, they're questioning him and examining him, and he, in, the text says in Matthew 26, 63-65, Jesus remained silent. Finally, the high priest said to him, I charge you, I adjure you, under oath, by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, yes, it is as you say. Jesus replied, but I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look now, you've heard the blasphemy. What he means is he's calling himself God. Later in Matthew chapter 27, he's crucified and he dies on the cross, and people mock him as he's hanging there. And some of them are saying, let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the Son of God. Everybody knew that. <laughs> That's why he was being killed. Blasphemy. So, where do we get the idea Jesus is God, this poor peasant from the backwater of Israel and Galilee, a, a poor itinerant preacher? He said he was. He was killed because of that claim. <laughs> Jesus also claimed to do things that everybody in his day would agree, only God can do that. For instance, Jesus claimed to be the source of life itself. In John eleven twenty five, he said to Martha, I am, there's the Yahweh again, I am the resurrection and the life. He also claimed in John chapter 5, 26 to 27, he claimed that one day everyone will be judged by him. It'll be handed over to him to decide people's eternal fate. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself, he gave him authority to execute judgment because he's the Son of Man. Finally, he, he, he claimed to forgive sins. We looked at that last week, this account, which only God can do in Mark 2, 10 and 11. He's ready to heal a, a guy who was paralyzed and uh, he could sense people were Saying, didn't believe. He says that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, which they would agree only God can do that. They even said that in that passage. So that you may know that the Son of Man, speaking of himself, has authority to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And he did. He made claims that were audacious. No one, no one would have thought 
in his day. This poor peasant looked anything like the God they were familiar with in the scripture. In the second place we get the idea that Jesus is God comes not only from what Jesus himself said, but the 12 apostles who were with Jesus for three and a half years all concluded, after living with him that amount of time, that he was God. Beginning with Peter. Apostle Peter in Matthew 16, 15 to 17, when Jesus asked Peter who he thought he was, Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus agreed with him. He said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father who's in heaven. Matthew himself affirms Jesus' deity in his gospel. Matthew 1.23, he quoting Isaiah 7, he says, The virgin will be with child, give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Apostle John confirms it in his gospel as he describes Jesus uh, as God's final communication to mankind, the word, uh, John 1, 14 and 18, the Apostle John says, the word became flesh. This eternal word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw his glory. <laughs> glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God in the bosom of the Father, he's explained him. He's made him known. The Apostle Nathaniel affirms it in John 1, verse 49. When Jesus kind of revealed something to Nathaniel about himself that nobody else would know, Nathaniel's conclusion, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And, of course, uh, doubting Thomas. He doubted the resurrection of Jesus after they heard the news. And... uh, Jesus comes and stands in the middle of the 12 in John 20, or 11, in 20, 27, 28. He said to Thomas, after he's risen from the dead, reach here with your finger and see my hands. Reach your hand and put it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. You know what convinced him? He rose from the dead. (laughs) He doubted. Could it really be? And he even said before this, unless I see it myself, I'm not going to believe. Jesus said, stop unbelieving. Here I am. Well, Jesus' own words, the apostles' testimony, third, others in the Gospels and the New Testament identified Jesus as the Son of God after they witnessed the works he did. Beginning with John the Baptist. In John, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 34, he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is his testimony, verse 34. I myself have seen, John the Baptist says this, I have seen and I have testified, this is the Son of God. Look, report after report after report recorded in the New Testament. Is all, they're all saying the same thing. 
Martha, in Jesus' ministry in John eleven twenty seven, said to Jesus, this is right after her brother died, and Jesus is there. Martha said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, I believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. This is before he raised Lazarus from the dead. I believe who you are, who you say you are. These are people who lived with him, who saw his works, and so on. But here's a good one. The centurion at the cross in Matthew 27, 54, as he watched Jesus die, and all that surrounded it, this uh, word is here in Matthew's Gospel. Now the centurion and those who were with him kept keeping guard over Jesus. When they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, they became frightened and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Let me go on. Uh, James and Jude, not the same James who was Jesus' disciple. James and Jude were actually the names of the Lord Jesus' brothers. They didn't believe him, see. James and Jude, Jesus' brothers, while he was ministering, doing all his stuff. They didn't believe it. That's what the, in John 7, 5 it says that. But after he rose from the dead, we got a, a letter. James in your Bible, at the end, is that's the Lord's brother. His actual half-brother. Okay, And Jude, also at the end of the scripture, the New Testament, Jude was also his half-brother. These guys... After they, he rose and said, we believe, we believe it. Just, if you go to those books, you look at what they, how they introduce themselves. You know how they say, we are bond servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, it's his brother. You want to convince anybody, convince people in your own family. <laughs> And it came down to the only thing that was convincing to these two guys was his resurrection. He appeared to James, it says, 1 Corinthians 15. Well, then let's go to the Apostle Paul's testimony. A zealous Jewish Pharisee who persecuted Christians after Jesus died and was raised from the dead, he didn't believe it. (laughs) He persecuted, threw him in jail. Agree to their killing. They stone Stephen. They're handing their coats to Saul as they're stoning and killing Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And he's all over it. Yes. Stamp out this awful sect of blasphemy and error. Heresy. One day he changed his mind. And he went, from, he went from militant skeptic to committed bondservant of Jesus Christ. That's what he calls himself. After he saw for himself the resurrected Jesus who appeared to him. 
He gives testimony to this in several places in the New Testament, but here's what he says about Jesus in one of his letters. This former skeptic, this former uh, persecutor of the church. This is what he says about the man, Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 8 and 9. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elemental principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. It can't get any stronger than that, you see. They were convinced. They died for this conviction. The writer of Hebrews, we're not sure who the author was, but it's in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 1, 2, and 3, makes this proclamation. In these last days, the writer says, God has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power when he made purification for sins and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And basically, the, ne- the whole rest of that chapter is an affirmation of Jesus' deity supporting it from the scriptures in the Old Testament. Well, I'm not done. So <laughs> we start with Jesus, we move through the apostles, we move through the New Testament writers. We then, let me just throw out this. If you, the fourth place we get the idea that Jesus is God comes from the religious, Jewish religious authorities themselves. They, they understood exactly what Jesus was saying. They, they were, this wasn't vague. This wasn't some, uh, some subtle, subtlety that Jesus, somehow you got to read between the lines. Oh, no. They got it. They all understood that Jesus was claiming to be God, and that's what got him killed. John chapter 5, verse 18. When, after Jesus' miracle there, for this reason, therefore the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, he healed somebody on the Sabbath. Miraculous work, see? Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They got it. He's making this claim. <laughs> That's where they got the idea. And in John chapter 10, as he's, this, his, he's talking with these religious leaders, in John chapter 10, 32-33, he's, he's literally bewildered at these guys. They've watched him teach, preach. He's answered their questions From the scripture, he's done miraculous works right in front of their eyes. And then he says to them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you stoning me? And the Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself to be God. That's why. They we're going to have none of it. To them, it was outlandish. The fifth place we get the idea that Jesus was God comes from the 
ancient historians who wrote about Jesus after the fact. The Bible's not the only, play, only thing we appeal to. I don't know how to explain this stuff. Uh, the ancient historians who are writing about Christianity well in, well, years later, Josephus, 66 A.D., prior to the fall of Jerusalem in the A.D. 70, writes this in his Antiquities of the Jews. I'm just going to read this paragraph. This guy's not a Christian. He's a Jewish uh, historian writing on be, uh, for the benefit of, of the Roman governor. Trying to give him account of all the things happening, a history of the Jews during this period. And he talks about the period Jesus was alive. He says this. And there arose about this time Jesus, a wise man. If indeed we could call him a man, he was a doer of marvelous deeds, a teacher of men who received the truth with pleasure. He led away many Jews and also many of the Greeks. This man was the Christ. And when Pilate had condemned him to the cross on his impeachment by the chief men among us, those who loved him at first did not cease, for he appeared to them on the third day alive again. The divine prophets, having spoken these and thousands of other things about him. And even now the tribe of Christians, so named after him, has not yet died out. It's interesting. He's, he's, he lived in history. He said some amazing, audacious things. He did many marvelous, miraculous works. And he claimed to be God, and they killed him. Here's what the Roman historian Pliny the Younger, A.D. 112, said. He's writing to the emperor Trajan, the Roman emperor Trajan at the time, about the troublesome Christians in the empire. <laughs> I'm just going to read one sentence. He's trying to explain these guys. And he says, uh, well... One thing about them, they're, they're, they are in the habit of meeting on a f certain fixed day before it's light, and they, they, they sing an anthem to Christ as God. Try to explain this to you, Mr. Emperor. This is what these Christians are like. They believe he's God. Look. Jesus claimed to be God. The apostles testified. <laughs> they believed he's God. His enemies knew exactly that he was claiming to be God and killed him because of it. <clears throat> why, why would anyone believe that Jesus is God? Look, I can't prove it. I can't prove he's God. What I can show you is evidence. I've been trying to do this morning. Overwhelming evidence of explaining why I believe he is God. First, do you realize that the ancient prophecies we have in the Old Testament <clears throat> tell us that the promised Messiah will be both divine and human? Do you realize that? I, I'll give you one example. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Listen to this. For a child will be born to us, 
an actual human being. A son will be given to us. This is 700 years before Jesus. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I could go on. I, do you realize there are hundreds of ancient biblical prophecies of Messiah that Jesus literally fulfilled? Let me quickly <laughs> tell you some of them. The prophecy said he would, he would be born from the tribe of Judah, the family of David. The prophecy said he'd be born of a virgin. The prophecy said he'd be born in Bethlehem. Prophecy said that Magi would visit and bring gold and spices. Prophecy said he'd live in Nazareth. Prophecy said he'd be a great teacher and healer. The prophecy said he'd be tortured and killed for sin. (laughs) And he would be executed by crucifixion. The prophecies tell us this. He would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. None of his bones would be broken. People would cast lots for his garments. He would be buried in a rich man's grave, and he would be raised from the dead. Hundreds were fulfilled literally in Jesus' life. Third, the miraculous works of Jesus, I I convince, authenticate his claims to be God. He said, and I'll repeat it again, he did and said things only God can do beginning with the forgiveness of sins. And like I said, that the incident of the paralytic in Mark 2 is pretty clear. He says, so you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, go home. He got up, immediately picked up his pallet, went out inside of everyone, and every, they were all amazed, glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I, four, Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection. Luke 18, he took the twelve aside, said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and all the things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he'll be handed over to the Gentiles, he'll be mocked, mistreated, spit upon, and after they've scourged him, they're going to kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. Jesus is saying He gets it. But in my mind, the most compelling evidence of all that we've heard throughout this morning comes down to the eyewitness testimonies of those who saw the resurrected Jesus bodily. Not a vision, bodily. 1 John, John wrote a letter at the end of the Bible 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. <clears throat> this is what he says to these dear people he's writing to. He says, listen to me. What was from the beginning, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've looked on and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, meaning Jesus, and the life was manifested, we've seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we've seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
We've seen it. We've heard it. We're letting you in on it as testifying witnesses to the truth of this. Look, Christianity affirms there aren't many ways to God. There's only one that God has provided. Faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Now last week, the topic was, uh, is Christianity too narrow? Um, I received a little feedback um, and basically they were suggesting, wouldn't it be possible, you know, aren't there, couldn't there be, is God big enough, couldn't there be many ways to God? Here's my answer. This is, this is what clenches it for me. Uh, I want you, I would take you, I would take you to the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus is praying before he's hauled off, tortured, and killed. He knows what's coming. He prays three times to his Father. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. No answer. No deliverance. Here's what I ask myself. Do you think, honestly, that if there was any other way to God, that he would have had his own son tortured and killed unless there was some other way? Would he have done that? I don't think so. I think if there was another way, they would have found it. (laughs) But sin had to be dealt with forever. Righteously, justice served I just can't imagine that God would have allowed his own son to be cruelly tortured and unjustly killed when he appealed to him in tears. There is no other way. If it was possible, I'm guaranteeing you it would have been, hap- it would have been happening. Take it from God himself. There isn't any other way he would say to his son Jesus. Not to save. And he authenticated, Jesus authenticated his own claims to be Messiah, who's God in the flesh. God himself authenticated Jesus' claim when he raised him from the dead. This is what Paul affirms in his letter to Romans, chapter 1, 1 to 4. God himself authenticated Jesus' claims to be God. He says, Paul, a bondservant of, of Christ Jesus, called as apostles, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. He's saying God himself authenticated everything Jesus said and did. The apostles confirmed that this means Jesus is the only way to connect with God. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2, 3-6, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Father. He's talking about praying for our leaders. It's good and acceptable to pray for our leaders. He desires all 
men, all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God, and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. That's it. There's no other way. Every person must decide. Jesus really lived. (laughs) It's a historical fact. Now, every person must decide what we're going to do with him. You can can hear what he said. You can see what he did. You can hear all the testimony. You can hear all of the responses to him. But every person, it comes down to every person must make a decision. Is he a liar? Is he crazy? Or is he Lord, in fact? The Bible declares that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, whom God promised, the Messiah, the Son of God, and receives him by faith, will be born again into God's family and accomplished what God intended to do to save us. I'll leave you with John's Gospel, chapter 1, 12, and 13. As he speaks of Jesus, God clothed in flesh, he says, His own people didn't receive him. But as many as received him, Jesus, to them, God gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Wow, that's awesome. An awesome promise. And I invite anyone here today. Maybe you're not there yet. I'd say continue to seek search, investigate the claims of Jesus, the claims of Christianity, the faith that we uh, are are talking about. Again, if you want to investigate further with one of us here, questions you may have, we welcome welcome that. Uh, Or even if you're here today and you say, I've heard enough. (laughs) I believe Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, who died for my sins. And I believe. Well, I invite you to Confirm that. Tell, tell one of us today so we can pray with you and encourage you in your faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word, for the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we acknowledge. Now for 2,000 years, Christians have assembled on the first day of the week and uh, worship him as God. We've continued this to this day. We do acknowledge You are the promised Messiah, the Son of God, whom you sent to die for our sins so that when we believe in him, we might receive the free gift of eternal life, forgiveness, and and actually connect with the living God through the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that promise. We thank you for that truth. Thank you, Lord, uh, for each of us who've experienced that in a very real way. And I pray for those who have not. Pray that you would continue to lead, guide, uh, as others investigate and seek the truth about these things. We pray that you would guide their path. And we thank you for this time we've assembled uh, to give you the honor and glory. Do your name. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.